Doctor and Dodo land in 60s London, where a supercomputer called Wotan threatens to take over the Earth. Can the Doctor outthink Wotan and save the planet before its army of machines take over? This is the War Machines. Welcome to Regenerated. I'm Matt and I'm joined by Becky. Hello. And a Merry Christmas, Becky. We are going to release this one on Christmas week. This is like our Christmas edition of the podcast. So a little bit later than normal. It should be on Sunday, but we'll release this on Wednesday, the 23rd, are we? Yes, 23rd of December. So this week we have uh, The War Machines. Sort of now, sort of winding down to the end of William Hartnell's sort of tenure. Two episodes or two serials left after this one, so it's rapidly approaching. For anyone who's not really um, up to date on the schedule of this podcast, we're now going to have a couple of weeks off for Christmas and New Year's, and then in the New Year we'll come back with the Smugglers. So this one, twenty fifth of June sixty six to the sixteenth of July sixty six, like the War Machines, four episodes. Written by Ian Stewart Black uh, Blackwell, he did uh, the last serial, The Savages. It's kind of a strange thing that there's um, the, the the writer has kind of done like a continuating serial. I don't think that's happened yet, where the writer's obviously done two in a row. And directed by a Michael Ferguson, this is his first time directing Doctor Who. So, what did you um, what did you think of the War Machines, Becky? Initial reactions to the War Machines. <laughs> Still black and white. I guess it's going to be black and white for a little while. Small um, things, Becky, small things. We're not getting to colour yet. It's still in the 60s, but we don't get colour to the 70s. Well, the war machines in themselves just look like a giant version of canine. It's kind of like a big, boxy... Th- sort canine. Of, yeah, thing, basically. It robot. sort of resembles a Dalek, but I can't tell if... The thing that comes out of the supposed to be gun things is actually like a gas or it's supposed to be like a firearm or something or other because, you know, it, it sort of looks like smoke. It's kind of very reminiscent. Or like gassy. Very reminiscent of a Dalek's um, sort of laser cannon type thing. Yeah, but with that, it's lazy, you know? I found that the serial was very, very 60s. The font... Um, this one at the beginning of each episode had this sort of kind of like 60s font where it sort of said the war machines and who writ who writ it and uh who directed it in this kind of like well, weird the sort si- of font the, sort the of 60s um, version of trying to be futuristic yeah it's kind of like a if if you watch the film rollerball they have that sort of font as well never seen um, that but rollerball's more of a like the 70s film i think but yeah I found that this one was very much a product of its time. Like I say, very 60s influenced here. And uh, I don't really at know what they kind of were achieving. So many, so many of the curtain backdrops these days. No, this one, they obviously had a, some location shooting. Yeah. And they also like I say, had some studio shooting. And you can see that the budget is now getting a little bit bigger for sort of Doctor Who. Say, if we go back to an earthly child or the Daleks. With a curtain backdrop yeah, of the TARDIS. Yeah, they're not kind of into that sort of um, sort of thing anymore. The sets are getting a bit more sort of big and bold. Widespread. Basically. So, like I say, it is a product of the time. 
this one served a purpose as well. For people who haven't watched it, then pause this podcast and watch it because now we're going to get into the spoilers sort of zone. So, yep, this one served a purpose. We got rid of one companion, if we can remember. Stephen left in the last serial and left the Doctor and Dodo to travel on their own. In this uh, serial, Dodo ends up leaving and we get two new companions. So he's gone back to now that three-man crew. So Dodo leaves and we get Polly and Ben. They're introduced into this serial. So it's been a lot of... Um, well, not really. They just kind of go into the TARDIS and then they take off. Well, we'll get to how they sort of join the Doctor on his uh, travels in a little bit. But it does feel like yeah, it's very... Yeah, but was a bit sort of careless, really, with Dodo. Because she knew kind of how much Stephen leave them upset the doctor and then she decided to blimmin', you know ditch him and all again i did look into the reasons why you know dodo's character left i couldn't really find anything i just found that they just wanted to move on from that character and that wasn't really down to the actress she didn't want to leave at that time it was more down to the show's sort of producers and that they just want to move on from dodo's character she hadn't been in it for very long i think she's been in it for like five serials and there's a lot of at this point i'm feeling there's a lot of rapid fire sort of rapid fire um companions you know since you know like steve and he's coming out you know now dodo's in and out and now we've got polly and ben you know i think looking at the sort of uh, the next sort of series or season, should I say, they're in the season throughout the majority of it, so they are in it for a little while. But yeah, it's just a bit strange. This one actually served at the as the ending for season three of the Doctor um, of the first Doctor. So the next episode serial, the Smugglers, will be season four, and like I say, then we're following that by the Tenth Planet, and that's the last one for William Hartnell. So. Looks say. So we go through some sort of like loose sort of plot line for this. Um, again, trying to keep it as loose as we possibly can. But there has to be kind of like a direction for the podcast. So I like to sort of go through some of the points of the episodes to sort of pick them out and discuss them. So there are a few in this one. So like I say, I'll keep it as loose as I can. So the Doctor and Dodo, they arrive in London 66, which kind of, again, it's quite a... Um, ironic that they've uh, sort of randomly because at the moment babe, if you remember the TARDIS is randomly taking them through time there's no sort of control yeah. over it it's this random sort of um, journey and they've l- ran- randomly landed in 66 London at that current time of Doctor Who being on telly it's also um, interesting when the Doctor sort of figure out with the TARDIS they spot the radio tower that actually is real it's real um, I think they must have I thought I they called it the post office tower yep yeah. oh, is it right ra- it looks like a radio tower but yeah it might be a post office tower to be fair I wasn't really paying too much attention oh, to they what the tower it the GPO, was so, which means general post office yeah but it, it is a real tower and I haven't really done my research into the tower to be honest and you know, but I'm guessing. I'm guessing from the point of the episode, it only just been recently finished. That's the kind of gist I got from what the Doctor's saying to Dodo, saying, "Well, there's a tower. Oh, look, it's just now been basically finished, and it's still there today. As far as I know, it's still there. I haven't actually gone to view it, but it is like a real tower in London. It's not served as a, it's not the purpose like purposely built for the story. It's actually real. So oh, well, I think that's in cover. They said. About it being in Covert Garden, we've never really been in Covert Garden. No, well, the whole sort of uh, serial is kind of set around the area, and Covent, Covent Garden, Garden yeah. is kind of the name of the place they kind of well, drop that and more. Batters- that and Battersea. Yeah. And um, we've never really been around those areas in London, yeah. so. So, like I say, they land. I put the Doctor's outfit, it's a little bit different to what we'd normally been seeing. He normally has that sort of. Um, he doesn't have the dodgy hat. No, he, do, well, he doesn't really normally. He normally doesn't wear a hat, Becky. That's the thing. He's sort of now wearing that sort of. Um, it's it's kind of a cross between like a sort of a Russiany type, um, sort of um, military like private sort of hat. It's really really hard to describe what it is. There's probably obviously a a name for it, but I haven't like say done the reference. It's basically the look that he had from Unearthly Child. 
And I'm going to guess that, I think if I remember right, in the 10th planet, he has this look again. So it's kind of like they've changed the look a little bit now. So he's going to go forward with his look for the next couple of serials. But yeah, it's kind of a throwback to the unearthly child when we first see him. He has that sort of long sort of cloak type jacket-y thing type on and this sort of, sort of hat sort of plopped on his head, as it were. So like I said, the doctor sort of sees the radio tower. He senses that there's kind of like an alien influence or something coming from the tower and he does drop again they drop the sort of the daleks reference here he says you haven't had the sort of goosebumps on the back of the hands since they encountered the daleks so uh, yeah and dojo was like who yeah and i do find that the dalek name gets dropped a bit too often i think it's because obviously at this time dalek mania is sweeping um the uk i don't know if it really went around the world but it's sweeping the uk and so they need to drop that into sort of the context yeah. of every story now to say oh look there's the daleks and everyone goes oh he's just mentioned the daleks great hey, you know sort of thing it's kind of like they have to sort of drop that into the episodes now mm. so in this sort of tower we find that this sort of, this sort of lab the doctor and dodo come in they're sort of having like a little tour it's like a load of boxy massively boxed computers in here <laughs> the 60, futuristic yeah. style computers yeah. that are not what actual computers look like in the future at all and they say that they're gonna they i think they're like a little they're a little way away but it's very close i think it's like i don't know what day they're they're landed on but i think they're like saying oh on monday we're doing this um basically they're going to link this computer to other computers around the world a bit like the internet obviously it's a bigger computer than you know a signal through the air or through the ground yep so we are then just dangerous and like i said earlier at the end of the day people have watched another a lot of films like irobot ai and things like that where robots take over the world and they people still build them Mm, yeah and again it's like uh, have you you never watched terminator it's gonna happen in the 60s they didn't but anyway you gotta remember computers in the 60s i mean in general in real life people are still building robots and shit and i'm like well what's the point because you know, at the end of the day, computers in the robots 60s, will take over the world. Computers in the 60s were kind of the big boom thing. It's kind of like that computer technological sort of age, especially with really? the space race, oh that sort of thing. So they obviously plucked it into this context of a Doctor Who story that there's this sort of higher intelligence coming from this computer. We never even had. That wants to take over the world. We never even had a computer in our house till like, the 2000s. Yeah. In this... Um, and in then we weren't even allowed on it. <laughs> well, the first computer that I ever sort of saw was the Commodore 64 Amiga. So it's kind of... Um, That's a 80s. games console. I'm talking about actual computer. Like computer computers. It's still a computer, though. It's still, you know, a, a, a system which you can play games on and you can do... Like written documents and stuff like that. No, nah, we used to play Buster Moves on the PS1, and me and my sister would end up fighting and pinching each other and pulling each other's hair just to see which one we could get to lose. Oh, the great <laughs> form of cheating there from Becky. Uh, it's not cheating if she started it first. Mm. It's called payback. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. We are introduced to Polly in the the lab. So, what do you think of Polly as a companion going on? It's not really. Um, you don't really see much of it. There's you not, know. To be fair, in this first serial, there's not much character development with Polly yet. Mm, That's nope. to come in the future episode serials as a, as a, a companion going forward. Again, she's a sixties, you know, woman. That's now going with the Doctor, very much like Dodo. So there's not going to be much change, I feel. I feel that the character development probably they would do with Dodo is now going to be Polly's character development. So, yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I can't really remember too much about Polly. And she also goes into Patrick Troughton's um, sort of tenure. So I haven't really watched much Patrick Troughton with Polly. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. We then get the name of the super intelligent computer, which was... Can you Wu-tan. remember? Wu-Tan. Wu-Tan. Do you remember what it stands for? <laughs> no. 
Will operating thought analog. Analog. That's why I write things down, Becky, so I can remember them. So I don't have to struggle later on when I'm asked the question of, what does that stand for? (laughs) Well, now, this machine, which I call Votan. You call what? Votan. Spelt W-O-T-A-N. Will operating Uh, thought analog. Yes, yes, quite correct. Well, now, Votan can not only think faster than Polly or myself, it can also type faster. True. Afraid so. And it never makes mistakes, Richard (laughs) thinks. So Yeah, but I don't need to know what it stands for, because you do. Well, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, they have told Wu-Tan, that... Wu-Tan, that just sounds like a Wu-Tan clan. Oh, I see it, and I'll probably get it wrong. Wotan, isn't it? Wotan. Well, Wotan, yeah, but I said it just sounds like the Wu-Tan clan. Yeah, a little bit. So, we're told that this computer never gets anything wrong. The doctor says never anything. Nope. So, they basically test it. So, the doctor tests it first... Then Dodo goes and tests it by asking what the TARDIS means. It tells her. They never really say how it gets to it. It's just basically one of them things where it's like, it's um, it just knows, you know. So once Dodo's given her um, question to uh, the computer, she starts to feel a little bit ill with this sort of headache and has to sit down. She has this bit of converse with Polly and Polly says about, you know, what, what kind of, you like to do and she basically says oh i'd like to go to a nightclub so that's what they do they go to the club inferno and this basically is just to set up two things in the story one is to introduce ben who is uh, a down on his luck depressed sailor that's the way i saw it a drinking depressed sailor yeah but if he's not sort of on, on barracks and he's sort of on shore leave sort of thing and he's got to go back to barracks or something. Mm. Why the hell is he still wearing a uniform? Well, maybe they just got off the boat. Isn't that normally what they do in sort of these films and that? They sort of get off the boat and go straight to the straight to the pub or straight to the club. Well, no, because Paul, um, the one who was behind the bar who tried to get Polly to cheer him up said that he'd been there for a few days. Well, maybe he's just like, um. Basically wants to show off that he's a sailor. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. We all won't know what, what sailors are like. So again, Ben, who is the alpha male type companion, a la Ian, a la Stephen. I found Ben, hmm, he was more, I found him a little bit more erratic with things. He's kind of like... A drunken sailor. Well, maybe, but he's kind of like very erratic with how he approaches things. And I don't know, there's always a sort of sense of, I don't know... um, Unpredictability. Yeah, and sense of worry I get from him as well. But we'll get into some of the sort of escapades as we go through the other serials, I suppose. But for this one, we'll just sort of keep it up to War Machines. But yeah, he sort of steps in to help um, defend Polly at one point as well. So there's already that sort of... Are they trying to say that they're... Oh, yeah, because like some arrogant ass tries it on with her. Yeah. And well, no, because it's just basically being gentlemanly because some arrogant twat tries it on with her, mm. you know, and she's like, well, sod off sort of thing, and, you know, he defends her honour. Yeah, but then they agree to meet up for lunch, so it's kind of like, are they then going to, like... Instigate a, a, a romantic relationship or something there. I don't really know. We'll have to see what happens during the, the course of their sort of stint as the companions and see if anything sort of blossoms yeah, out of this or not. Ian got quite, kind of close. Mm. Yeah. Um, Doctor then arrives at the Royal Scientific Club where there is. Maybe, a... oh, maybe that's something that sort of happens, you know, life or death situations. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes you reevaluate things. Maybe. Maybe. And puts things in more to perspective like say, for we'll relationship s- purposes. We'll have to see how their sort of uh, relationship grows if it does. You know, the doctor arrives at the Royal. Or she could tell him to start off. At the Royal Scientific Club, where there is a press conference discussing about the super intelligent computer and the sort of the sort of switching on of the sort of ne- network, if you want to call it as that. Um, well, then the people who built it can't be that intelligent if they think that's not going to try and take over the world. Well, they don't. They don't. They. So where the hell does the intelligence? The yeah, but where the hell does the intelligence come from if they can't even figure that out? Well, who knows? That's it. For the purpose of the story, we're not supposed to think of things like that, Becky. That's that's getting really com- deeply 
complex into the story, I think. It's trying to nitpick and pull out all these little, little well, questions. Well, no, I just think they're supposed to be the top guys in their field, and if they ain't thought that that could happen, they're just stupid. Well, yeah, well, we find out they are actually stupid. Uh, Professor Brett is um, noticeably absent from the uh, conference. He's one, of the, he's one of the professors who actually worked on the computer. And Stupid he's idiot, basically, numero uno. He's basically sent for, um, and I think, it not it Major Green uh, who goes after him? I'm not really too sure. Or is, am I completely thinking of somebody else? No, Mm-mm. isn't it Crimpton? Yeah. Professor Crimpton goes after him, I think, as yeah. well. Um, back at the lab, Brett is sort of concerned that there may be somebody in the tower. He's got this sort of sixth sense that there, there's something else in the sort of the room with him. Only for then Wotan to control Brett and affect him. Back in the Club Inferno, Polly and Dodo, they're talking to Ben. Dodo is then reporting that she's still got that headache from earlier. Then at the club, Brett walks in and demands to see Crimpton. Um, So it wasn't obviously Crimpton that went after him. I can't remember who they sent, but they sent somebody. But anyway, it's a moot point anyway, because Brett walks in. Demands to see Crimpton. And then everyone sort of just leaves. And then the Doctor talks to Charles. Um, he was like the sort of the runner of the conference. And he's sort of a... He's not really a major character. He's a part character. But he is kind of somebody that helps the Doctor throughout the serial. With everything that goes on. He's later. sort of like the big I am. A little bit, yeah. So, back at the lab. The ma- Major Green, he goes to like check the... The lab probably lives in Chelsea. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so Major Green goes to check the lab. He ends up under Wu Tan. See, I'm going to keep saying Wu Tan now. Wu Tan. <laughs> Wu Tan's. The Wu Tan Clan. Major Green goes to then check the lab. He's then controlled. It didn't look very green. No, it doesn't look very green. He goes to check the lab. He's then controlled by Wu Tan. And Wu Tan gets Green to ring Dodo at the club. The Major then sort of plugs this sort of telephone cable into the computer and then ends up that Dodo becomes under the control of the computer and then leaves the club. In the tower, Crimpton and Brett arrive to the lab where, again, we find out that the computer wants to take over the Earth. Crimpton is um, basically controlled by the computer as well and... Back at the Inferno Club, Polly and Ben have noticed that Dodo has left. The Doctor then walks in, inquires about Dodo, and then the ending is that they said that the fourth member has arrived. It's Dodo who asks about um, some instructions. Wotan then talks and says that they want the The Doctor. Doctor. And they keep saying the Doctor, Doctor Who as well. They keep saying it. Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor, Doctor Who. Who is required. It's really, it's, it's just so strange. The title is sort of, it's got nothing really to do with the Doctor. It's basically like you say, a play on words. It's Doctor Who, basically meaning who is the Doctor, which Doctor. You know, it's kind of weird that they keep calling him Or the him fact Doctor that everyone Who. calls him the Doctor. Yeah, it's really and strange. And he never really has like a surname or a first name. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the just, point. That's why it's called Doctor Who. It's not because his name is Doctor it's a strange, Who. It's a strange thing that they keep saying. They keep saying like, who is the second name? But anyway. No, it's really not. Moving on, episode two. Orders are given that London is now going to be the sort of staging ground for them to create these, what they later term as war machines like we talked about it earlier basically a big massive tank it's not really a massive tank that's like an overgrown canine with a similarities to a dalek mm, yeah something like that then at the inferno club uh, the doctor's still waiting for dodo she doesn't appear but polly wants to sort of ring around the hospitals but then in walks dodo and she's extreme really and ring around the hospitals after a couple of hours well there's a little bit but they're obviously a little bit concerned that she's disappeared she said she popped off to see some friends the doctor's Lay. very sort of questionable here he's sort of a little bit wary what about what's happening here anyway the doctor then goes to see charles and leaves the club um, to the side of the Doctor and Paul, uh, Doctor and Dodo, sorry, are like three men who are basically waiting to capture the Doctor. 
Dodo's trying to get the doctor to go over to him. He doesn't really want to. They basically get in a taxi, which a homeless man gets out of. I'll quickly mention the homeless man. The homeless man gets out. He, um, I'll mention what happens to him in a minute um, because it's a little bit of a, there's a point I want to sort of talk about, I think, with the homeless man, which I think is a bit funny. But yeah, so he gets out of the taxi. The doctor, Polly, and I think Dodo get in the taxi um, and leave. And then that's when Ben says, I'll see you tomorrow, Polly. I think it's tomorrow. He says, see you tomorrow for lunch at the tower. Instead and then they drive of meeting off. at the bottom of the tower. Yeah. Yeah. Then in the, this sort of warehouse behind them, this is where they're making the war machines. The homeless man, he wants obviously a bed for night. He walks into the warehouse, gets sort of spotted and he ends up getting killed. Then we go to like Charles's sort of house where the doctor is reading a paper where it says about this homeless man's been killed. And I thought to myself, that was the fastest printing of a newspaper I've ever seen. Well, no, because I think basically they're trying to say that he'd been killed early hours of the morning, when after just after they saw him. Yes. And then the the paper was obviously the the next morning's paper. Yeah, but there must be a cut off when they print papers. Would that story that story would not have been in the papers less than like four hours later or something I don't like that? Know. Because you'd have to have him found. Where where did the police find him? Was he just they dumped him in, in a garden? Yeah, they've obviously just dumped him in an alleyway. They found him. It's a little bit strange, but yeah, I just thought it was a very we very need to quick. Find him in the warehouse quick, with a war machine. Well, yeah, a bit quick turnaround of the papers. Anyway, in walks Polly, who's there to work as uh, Charles's secretary. Dodo then is still trying to get the doctor to sort of go to the tower by sort of suggesting that the doctor see Dr. Brett, uh, Professor Brett, because he knows about computers and all that and the other. In the lab, the doctor then um, rings, and this is like a sort of uh, opportunity or a, a supposed opportunity for uh, Wotan to get control. They try to do the same thing as Dodo. Dodo thinking that's happened because the doctor sort of gets a headache sort of thing. Dodo thinks it's sort of taking control of him. Starts to spill the whole story of what's happening about I've been taken over and we're to do this, do that and do that. Only for the doctor not to be mind controlled and be like, what, 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 what? So he sort of figured out that now she's kind of under the influence. Don't be alarmed, Doctor. This is a method of establishing contact. Time is very short. Construction has already begun. You are needed. What happened? It's all right, Doctor. You are now one of us. My function was to bring you in contact. Now I shall serve as an assistant. Oh, what are you talking about, Charles? Listen, Doctor. Construction is taking place at strategic points in London. What were you saying, my dear? But you took the call. You made the telephone call. Uh, you made contact, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I... I think I remember. I... Uh, I was, I was speaking to Professor Brett, and all of a sudden there seemed to be an explosion. It, it very nearly knocked me off my feet. It was as if, as if... What, Doctor? It was as, as if something enormous and terrific was trying to absorb me. Which is funny how you never see her again, really, out of that. Yeah, so... They mention her, but you don't actually see her. Yeah, so... Um, we'll get onto that bit in a, in a two ticks... So the doctor didn't get controlled. Dodo then goes to leave, only to be stopped. And then, like I say, the doctor suspects that she's something wrong with her, been hypnotized. He then sort of hypnotizes her to counteract it, sort of by using this ring. She gets like, um, sort of, she goes to sleep. They say for 42 hours. And then Charles says that she can stay at his wife's country house, I think it is. And that's basically it. That's the end of Dodo. That's the last time we see her. She's written out one and a half episodes into the serial until the end of episode four, where it's basically just a note that she's going to stay in London. And that's that's it. That's goodbye, Dodo. Bit of a bit of a crappy ending to Dodo, to be fair. I like companions to go out with a bit of a bang, a bit of a purpose. Doing this kind of like shows that they didn't really give a shit and that they didn't care that she was going to be leaving. But anyway... It's pretty much like EastEnders and whether you get a duff duff or not. Mm, that's it. So back in that warehouse, the war machine Or whether you leave either by tube, black cab, or whether they just write you out altogether. Yeah, it's a bit like Doctor Who. You either <laughs> die, leave, or get left behind. Yeah. So this one, she basically left. So yeah, in the warehouse, the war machine is finished and it's like demoed. 
So they sort of try. Um, I think they like test the the firing arm and the movement and that, and um, they sort of like hammer things on it as well on the side. Back at the lab, uh, Wotan's voice up at his basically the computer starts to talk now. That's basically where I'm going. The, the the computer starts to talk, and I put it's very slow for a super intelligent computer. The the audio is really really slow, and also I thought it's very reminiscent of um what was it? what's I can't remember the serial now. What's the name of it with the with the sort of the bee creatures and the moth creatures. I can't remember what the creature's called now, but it's very much like that one. I can't remember what the serial's called. Those bugs. Yeah, I can't remember what the serial's called oh, now. Oh, I can't remember. Um, yeah, kind of away. reminiscent of that that higher being. I know which one. I know which yeah, one. Yeah, it kind of looked like a sort of... Jellyfish? Jellyfish type creature, yeah. It kind of was that slow sort of voice and the sort of same effect on the voice as well. Anyway, Polly walks in and... I think out apart of from it's less jellyfish like and more computer like, mm. yeah. yeah. So Polly walks in off screen, she's taken over by the computer. Uh, and the reception, the doctor's sort of waiting, only for then Ben to walk in and speak to the doctor. He's worried about Polly because she's been up there for a long time and asks Ben for his help to investigate the I area. They were ants, anyway. Yeah, ants. I don't know. I can't remember, Becky. We're, mo- we're moved on now. We're on the war machines, so I Ants forgot about them. So yeah, they asked Ben for help to sort of investigate the area around the Inferno Club because of that homeless guy. Ben then goes into this warehouse where he views the test of the war machine, but he's sort of backed, backed into sort of a corner by the machine when it's doing its movement test, and that's the end of the episode. And we go into episode three in the warehouse. Ben basically ends up running for the door, but. Major Green is alerted to the danger. Polly then bumps into Ben and tries to get he tries to get her to escape with him, but she's already under the control of the computer. So she kind of just sort of helps the um controlled Major Green and his sort of minions. All the hypnotized people. Yeah, all the hypnotized people capture Ben. Um and then she sort of locks the door and he's captured. The Doctor then, again, he's a bit concerned because uh, Ben's been missing for a little while. Then we go back to the warehouse where Ben is hes sort of pleading with Polly, you know, to get him out of this and escape together. Polly then sort of kind of breaks the control a little bit, I think, here by sort of, sort of stopping Ben's death and just saying, we need workers, put him to work, and that's what they do. Ben's a bit naive here because he doesn't really know what's happening. He thinks that Polly's sort of playing a little bit and playing this control sort of is one of them still, but she's acting controlled, basically. That's what I'm getting at. Polly and Ben are then sort of helping, only for them, Polly to be sort of suffering, sort of exhaustion. And they do say that if you can't work and you stop, then they're basically going to kill you. So Ben notices that there's no guards on the door. He then sort of, makes a run for it, only for Polly to see this, but yeah, she doesn't really act. there a guy that basically got killed because he stopped working, and then yep. they just basically like, practically run him over, like a bloody, you know, like a road sweeping him up. Yep, that's basically what happens, yep. So yeah, Ben sort of notices the, so nice. the door with no guards, he goes and makes a run for it. Polly notices this, but doesn't really say anything, so there's still a sort of break in the program in there. Ben then... Do they ben... get swept to the funeral that way? Mm, yeah. Ben then comes back to the doctor and sort of warns him and tells him what's happening. Yeah. Hey, dear boy. What's happened to you, lad? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Now, take your time. Take your time. Where's Polly? She's still there, doctor. They've got her. She, she's one of them now. What do you mean, they've got her? Where is she? She's in a warehouse. Where? A, a warehouse in Covent Garden. And there's a machine, a killer machine. And if we don't stop it, it'll kill half London. Polly is then questioned uh, by Major Green about Ben, who they sort of said, you let him escape and you will be sent back to Wotan to basically... Face punishment. Yeah, face punishment. The Doctor believes that, you know, um, 
believes Ben and everything that's happening. And Charles wants to inform the police. And that's what he does. He forms the police who says they're going to send in the military, which is quite funny because he doesn't really say too many details. They just accept it and go, yep, okay, then uh, it's a war machine. Yep, okay, we'll send in the army. Not even have no visual proof or anything. They just send the army in. It's just because they mention the W word, and that is basically what they do. It's and this a, next, if if you turn, if someone turned around and said, "Oh, well, it's a machine. that's just you know, walk waltzing down the street trying to shoot people," you know, they probably wouldn't be as so dramatic about it as if you said "war machine." Mm, yeah, you know, this next uh, sort of last third of the episode is basically a fight between the war machine and the army. They sort of go to the warehouse where the war machine is sort of attacking them they're fighting their guns are jammed ben and the doctor arrive to survey the area charles then sort of tries to sort of reason yeah but i swear one of them had a lewis gun how the hell you know you're gonna jam one of them well it's kind of like i don't know it's like an aura that's coming from the war machine it's sort Mm. of stopping grenades going off and guns from firing and that and Charles tries to plead with the machine, which I thought was really funny. He got like, sort of a loud hailer and tried to sort of stop the machine. Didn't really work because it just doesn't loud stop. Loud hailer? Why are they going to a loud hailer? I don't like know. That's the way. Phone. Well, yeah, that's what I call it, a loud hailer. But it well, was. It's a speakerphone. It, well, if you go back, I think you'll find it's a loud hailer. I know, but he calls it a loud hailer. But I'm like, well, I know. That's like a, you know, megaphone or whatever you call it. Anyway. The end of the episode is that the the army sort of are backing away from the machine, only for them the doctor sort of to face up to it. And that's the end of the episode, and we're into the last one, which is episode four. The machine then sort of circles around the doctor, only to then just stop. And we find out that the computer hasn't been programmed completely, and that the program has failed. Yeah, I so, thought the doctor was going to get cocky about it. Thinking, oh yeah, well I stopped it. Well no, it's just basically the computer just failed. Um, so again, again, cracks, cracks in Wotan there. It's supposed to be a super intelligent computer who knows everything, but yeah, didn't know, didn't know that its war machine was going to fail because it hadn't been programmed. Bit strange that, but okay. We're not going to, well, I'm not going to highlight the flaws in the, the well, writing. Not everyone, even Wu, um, Wotan can't know everything. Mm, yeah. Anyway. Elsewhere, another war machine like saying, is completed. I'm asking it, right? Basically, if it's going to rain or if it's going to snow for Christmas, you know, you'd get like different outcomes on different days depending on the barometers. So there's no known Britain. You know what it's like. One minute it's sunny, the next minute it's windy, the next minute it's raining, another minute it's sleeting. And you get all that just in blooming September. So, mm, yes. But. Anyway. I, I should give it a question like that instead of asking it what TARDIS means. Ask mm. them what the weather's going to be like consecutively for a week, you know, for more oh, than a month. Exactly. In Britain, Britain <laughs> you just don't never know, do you? So, um, Wu-Tan w- wouldn't know. Like I say, this other war machine is completed and it sort of seems to be working on its own this time instead of having um, outside controls. Um, Major Green is then brought before Went Charles. Rogue. Yep. Major Green is brought before uh, the Doctor and the military, and it sort of seems like his mind control has been broken, and that he's obviously confused. He doesn't know what's really happening. We then see that this new war machine is on the streets, and there's obviously news bulletins going out, and then the Doctor says he wants to get hold of this machine and basically use like an electronical... Electromagnetic uh, a, field. A magnetic field, that's right. Which it looked really like a loose boxing ring, to be honest. So I don't know how that was supposed to produce an electromagnetic field. Well, we'll get on to that bit. Because it's supposed to be tight. Yeah. yeah, we'll get on to that bit in a minute. But um, yeah, back at the lab, Polly arrives. Surely the cables would have to be tighter. Polly arrives back at the lab and obviously she's submitted herself for the sort of punishment. She's quickly put to work by the computer. The Doctor then, like I say, wants to set up this magnetic field and he sort of plans this trap where it's sort of three sides of a box of, like you say, it's really weird sort of Well, no, because they said about doing electromagnetic cable on all four sides, but they've got to get it in there before they can close it. Yeah, and that's basically what they do. The machine falls for this trap. The Doctor ends up disabling the machine. He reprograms it to... um, His own purpose. Yes, to go after Wotan, basically, to go to that tower. Ben is then 
he says, this is this is this was a strange thing I thought with Ben and the Doctor. Ben's worried about Polly. He wants to go after Polly. The Doctor doesn't. He's kind of like, no, no, we don't have time for that. That's really really strange from the Doctor. He normally would be very concerned about somebody like Polly, and be like, oh yes, we must go back for her. But this time it's Ben who says we need to go and find her and we need to get her out of harm's way. So that's what he does. He goes to save her. He goes to the lab. He's basically escorts her out of the lab just in the nick of time as that other war machine comes in, basically destroys the computer. The control is broken over everyone. The doctor then comes in. And this was another thing I thought was really, really strange as well with this episode. Professor Crimpton, who is under the control of Wotan. The war machine comes into the lab, destroys the computer, but in the ensuing destruction, the war machine actually kills Crimpton. Now, this is a reprogrammed computer machine by the Doctor, and it's killed someone. Yeah, but it's not just that. I think it was because Crimpton was trying to stand the wire, preventing him from doing it. Well, obviously, the Doctor reprogrammed the war machine to complete its task no matter what, Hmm. even if death it has to do, you know, has to cause death, which is again something the doctor doesn't normally. He's not. A, he's a pacifist. Doesn't like death. Yet he's reprogram reprogrammed this machine, and it's committed death. And the doctor doesn't seem to give a shit either. When he comes in, he's kind of like, "There's nothing you can do for him now," and basically they like, sort of step over him and move out of the way, sort of thing. Really, quite strange. Anyway. Back at the TARDIS, the Doctor is waiting, strolling up and down, pacing, waiting for Dodo. That's what we were saying earlier. Polly and Ben arrive with a letter saying Dodo's going to be staying in London. There you are, my child. It's nice to see you so well again. And you, my boy, and away from that wretched tower. Never felt better, Doctor. Sir Charles has been looking for you everywhere. We've got a message from him about Dodo. Oh, yes, I've been waiting around here for her. Where is she? I very nearly left without her. Left? Yes, uh, uh, to the airport, yes. She is well, I hope. She says she's feeling much better, and she'd like to stay here in London, and she sent you her love. Her love? Oh, there's gratitude for you. Take her all the way around the world, through space and time. Come and again, I... Doctor. Uh, what? Oh, nothing, my boy, nothing. Now, I, I think you both want to get away, don't you? Thank you, Polly, very much. Thank you, Ben. Bye. Goodbye. Run along. Bye, Enjoy yourselves. Yes. <laughs> the Doctor then gets in the TARDIS, He's about to leave. Only when Polly and Ben sort of look back, Ben says, oh, I forgot to give him his key. We better go and do that. They go up to the TARDIS. Polly is, I think they're trying the door and it's not open, I think. Yeah. So they decide to use the key that Ben has, enter the TARDIS, and it dematerializes. And that's the end of the episode. And then we go on to the smugglers, which is the next one. So, let's say, again, it's like that sort of, how do we get companions? Well, stowaways. It's kind of... There's no... Let me first say, I actually quite liked the War Machines. I think it's a good one. Mm. I think it's one of them ones, again, four episodes. Again, I love the four-episode format. I keep saying it. Four-episode format. Prefer four episodes over six. Yes. Four and episode, definitely over eight. Yep, four-episode format works because you don't feel as if it drags. Mm. This serial did not drag, and that's what I really liked about it. Mm. Again, didn't get to halfway through it and think, oh, God, has it got another bloody episode? Oh, come on. But the whole thing about introducing new companions is getting a bit laboured. It's kind of very, very much stowaway. Stephen was a stowaway. Dodo kind of was a stowaway. She kind of ran into TARDIS, and he just dematerialised. It's the same with Polly and Ben. They've run into the TARDIS. The the dematerializes and they heard of an it. invitation. But it's really strange because... Yeah, but isn't that what happened with Barbara and Ian Mark? Kind of. He kind of kidnapped them. So, you know. But you got to remember, if you look at the sort of... Um, the structure of the TARDIS, the doors... You know, you walk in the doors, you're in the console room. So before he dematerialized, unless they've walked in... Unless they've walked in just as he was flicking the switches... He would have seen them and said, oh, what are you doing here? Get out, or whatever. A bit strange. But it just serves a purpose. It's only to basically Yeah, but introduce... it's not like, to be honest, it's not like they were random. He kind of knew them, so... Yeah, I suppose. So it's not like random, like with Dodo, just came in off the street. Or like with Barbara and Ian, 
or you know, but even with Stephen, they kind of know who he was because they'd already met him in the in previous episode. I expect there to be in the next episode a kind of oh, what are you two doing here? Moment at the beginnings of the serial. Again, the smugglers. Unfortunately, it's four missing episodes again, but it's the it's kind of the last one now of uh, William Hartnell. Um, Ten Planet only has one missing episode and three in the archives, one animated. So, you know, it's kind of the last time for William Hartnell's Doctor that we're going to see Telly Snaps, which I'm kind of quietly glad about. Um, and then we get into Patrick Troughton, where there's a lot of animated episodes. So, overall, I really quite like this one, The War Machines. If we go back, so like I say, it's the end of season three now. So, you know, if we go back to the previous episodes, um, let's have a look at them, you know, and sort of give our verdict on the sort of rundown, you know, before I go into Mark Campbell's episode guide and sort of talk about what his verdict was and his rating. You know, in this serial, we had Galaxy 4. We had Mission to the Unknown, which is that standalone episode, which doesn't feature the Doctor. We had The Myth Makers. The Daleks Master Plan, The Massacre of St. Bath Malamu's Eve, which sadly we couldn't really give an overall opinionated review of that because the telly snaps weren't that great, but we did our best. The Ark, which again, we really liked that one. The Celestial Toymaker, The Gunfighters, which again, not too bad, The Gunfighters. The Savages from last week, which, you know, it was what it was. It was okay. wasn't brilliant. And then we have The War Machines. So out of all of them, what one would you say was your favourite, Becky? Which one did you like the, the most? I don't know. It was kind of a fair few that I quite liked. Mm, yes. I kind of like Galaxy 4. I think Galaxy 4 is a quite nice one. Um, Dalek's Master Plan, for the high, you know, it gets the highest ratings. 10 out of 10 from Mark Campbell's guide. It definitely wasn't. It was an okay story, but again, can't really give that opinionated overall um, review because it's very heavily telesnapped. Yeah, so, but that one was a really long one. Yeah, exactly. I think overall, I'd and it say... it was just very dwindling. I think from variety-wise and story-wise, I'd have to sort of give my vote for the, the best episode serial in this season. I would really have to say it was The Ark. I think The Ark was probably the best one they did. And, you know, out there in listening world, um, you probably disagree with me there. Or you might agree with me. But I did really like the arc. I think mm. War Machines is up there. I think this was a good one. For the sort of gist of the story, and to be fair, it's a compact story. You know, it's a really small story that's fleshed out over four episodes, and they did it really, really well. Um, I didn't think that the War Machines was that bad. I thought it was a quite good one. So that being said, like I said, Mark Campbell's episode guide, the verdict. Let's go through it. The pre-internet scare story has some convincing action scenes and an impressive war machine, but Hartnell's performance is best described as erratic. 7 out of 10. So, the, the trouble is with William Hartnell saying he's erratic, you've got to remember, the man was, he was ill. He was not very well during this last season. You know, and that's one of the reasons why he left Doctor Who. So, uh, the reports are he was getting very, very testy behind the scenes. He was very difficult to work with. So, maybe that's sort of influenced in the way he portrayed this last season. But, you know, it is what it is. 7 out of 10, I think it's a fair a fair rating. Um, I think he's probably got that one right. In my view, it's a 7. It's, yeah, I think overall it's a very good ending to the series. And they've introduced two new companions to go forward with. Yeah, I don't think they did this. Or did they do this one in the last series? I can't remember if they introduced like a uh, a companion at the end. I think, didn't they, um, in season two, quickly whip through the book. Season two, it had the time meddler. Um, that was the last one. But yeah, Stephen was already in that one, wasn't he? With Vicky, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like I say, that one was the War Machines. So, let us know what you thought of the War Machines in the comments of Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. And, like I say, all the social media is in the description. Also, if you wouldn't mind, you like this podcast, nip over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review of any number stars. One, two, three, four, 
or five, I think five on there, and leave us a review so people are uh, it finds it easier. It makes it easier for people to find our podcast. And also, I've now submitted the form to go onto Amazon Music Podcasts as well. So we'll see what happens there. So hopefully, in two weeks' time, when we come back, I'll have news that we're now going to be enlisted on Amazon Podcasts, which would be a nice little, uh, nice little uh, added bonus to the podcast. So this one is, like I say, our Christmas edition. So Becky, mm. what are you expecting from Santa Claus this year? Some peace and quiet would be nice, but it won't go out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, three children, Becky, and Christmas Day. I think you're asking for a bit too much <laughs> there. Uh, I don't know, really. Mm, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that we aren't a little bit more into the Doctor Who run because then we could have done like a Christmas episode of Doctor Who. But here's what it is. And, you know, during the early years. There's always an extra. <laughs> well, yeah, there is. And we'll see where we are. But then again, like these earlier Doctors, they didn't really do the Christmas special. It's kind of more of the new who do Christmas specials with killer Santa Clauses, I think. And killer Christmas trees. Oh, and with Titanic. So, yeah, like you say, let us know what you thought of the War Machines. And we will see you in two weeks' time in the year 2021. May it hopefully be better than 2020. So, on that note, I think we will leave it there and wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So from me, Matt, and from Becky, I'll say goodbye and say goodbye, Becky. Goodbye. Goodbye and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.